Amen. Well, good morning. Um, I remember I was down in, first of all, my name is Chad and one of the pastors here. I don't want to get past that because I see some new faces out there today. Um, I'll never get over this reality. I was working, I'm working on my master's degree and I was down in San Diego and we were at this old Methodist church. And if you know anything about church history, certainly church in America, the, um, well, let's just leave that aside. Anyway, this young pastor, we were, we were there kind of learning different styles of worship and different styles and uh, uh, preferences of church. And this young pastor, you know, we, the class got to ask him questions like, hey, how do you do what you do? It was that kind of class, hands-on, very practical. And he, and he said, you know, I, I, you know, I've read cool books about cool services or whatever, so I kind of zoned out until we all noticed that in their worship center, there was like a kid art sec- section. And we're like, how does it work to have kids like, you know, like, you know, doodling throughout the whole service, like they wouldn't dismiss them. And he said, because many of you have heard about Barna and the statistics that many of the young generation, they're, they're, they're leaving the church. Raise your hand if you've heard something like that, I mean, loosely. And, he, and, and this young pastor said a million-dollar phrase. He says, their whole life in church, they're trained to go. And I, you know, I zoned out when it was the cool worship part because I know Tritt, we know how to do cool stuff, you know. But when he said that, their whole life, they're trained to go to do their own thing. Something just seized me. So if you're, if you're new here and you're wondering, like, why didn't I get to drop my kids off right when I got to the building? Well, if you had nursery kids, you did. You're welcome. Um, but honestly, I, I, I've been pastoring here for going on four years, and it's not like we have a corner on the market. I don't, like, we're trying to figure it out. Like, why do they come in during worship? And... Um, and we've talked about this for years, because in many ways it'd be cleaner and neater. Uh, but how do we know the kingdom of God's not all that clean and neat? And so as a church, just to speak culture and why we just did what we did. Why were the kiddos in here? Why did I have to like wrangle them? I wish it could Because we want to model old, older generation, young generation, and all in between, that it's the same Christ we exalt in worship. And... For some, that's a make or break because they're like, dude, I live with my kids Monday through Saturday. Like, I just want to drop them off. No harm, no shame. That's, a, that's okay. But as a church, we've just continued to wrestle. Like, are we willing to brave some of the messiness and kids running around? And to me, my answer until I know better is an unequivocal yes. And for some, that's a make or break, and that's okay. I love you. But how many believe that, it, that there's more caught than there is taught? That's a fact, Jack. You can Google it. You, my kids act like me without me telling them to act like me, which is a sobering reality. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Okay, a very sobering reality that, that, that dad can say one thing but model another and guess what they will more readily gravitate toward and imitate. So let's come to the Lord's table and receive <laughs> the grace and mercy of Jesus. 
You know, um, I've been sitting on this, this chapter and this verse for, for a, a decent amount of time, a couple weeks. Matthew chapter 23, if you have your Bibles. And, and if, you, if you're with us these last few weeks or checked out Facebook or podcast, we, we talked about this little thing called the kingdom of God. This, me, this meta, mega theme that sort of ties the whole Bible together, the king and his kingdom and his people submitting to his reign and to his rule and then using the resources and the talents and the abilities to leverage them for his kingdom purposes. And so you can check out the podcast. Well, this week, I want to start a mini three-part three um, look at discipleship. And so here, here I explained it right there. Uh, Patty O'Keefe and I were talking this week, and, and here's how I explained it. So can I just explain it with my hands? As I, I have to anyway, because I, I, I can't. You know. <laughs> so remember when I told you about six weeks ago, for those who are new, sorry, you don't remember, so surprise. About six weeks ago, I was on a prayer walk, and I was just having this conversation with the Lord, and the Lord was like doing a lot of listening because I was doing a lot of talking. And there was this craving that I just so longed to like just start fresh, start new. Anyone else out there just love the opportunity to like have a blank slate, an empty canvas to just start? Uh, there's just something about like a reset. There's something about... Um, you know, nothing laid, just empty ground that you can build the foundation. And, you know, I'm like, Lord, but I've been pastoring this church for over three years, and I, I can't, like, just reset. I've already been here three years. And the Lord's like, why don't you just pretend that this coming Sunday is your very first Sunday? And it sounds very elemental, because it is, but the kingdom belongs to children. So there you go. And in my heart, I was like, oh, my goodness. Okay. So four weeks ago was, in my mind, a reset Sunday where we started talking about the kingdom. And between four weeks ago and through the end of December, the Lord sort of gave me a roadmap of 15 weeks of five three-week mini-part series. And here's why. Okay, it's going to make sense in a second. So what did we just get done talking about three weeks? Starts with a K, ends with an ingdom. Okay, so... So here's the logic. Here's the logic. Okay? And I, I, you just, I'm not going to re-preach him because I want to, but I already did. So go listen to him. So here's the idea. So the kingdom is the big story. Everyone say big story. The king and his kingdom, his domain, his rule, and his realm, his people, his presence, his purposes, the kingdom. From this great kingdom story, who emerges as the superhero? Who happens to be, starts with the K, the of the kingdom. So you have kingdom. Everyone do kingdom. kingdom. And then from this kingdom story, there emerges a king. And guess what the king says to us? Follow me. Everyone say, follow me. So you've got kingdom. You've got the king in the kingdom. And the king says, follow me. Did you know what the journey of following and being formed and filled by Jesus is called? Starts with a D discipleship or formation. So the kingdom provides the context for the king and the king steps forward as the hero of the story and he says, follow me. This is discipleship. Now, 
The beauty about him asking us to follow him is he doesn't just ask us individuals to follow him. He calls a people for himself to be given over to his purposes. So guess what we're going to talk about in four weeks? The community of disciples called the church. Kingdom, king, follow me, discipleship in the framework of community. And guess what? We're going to need to really be formed in the image of likeness, a bunch of head knowledge and facts and data. No, we're going to need the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. If you agree, say amen. So we have the kingdom and the king who says, follow me, discipleship, in the context of community, we have to have the Holy Spirit's presence and power. So that's in six weeks. And then all of that's for a purpose. It's called the mission of God. Kingdom, king, follow me. Discipleship, individuals, no. Communities, community, people of God. Do we do it in our own strength, resources? No. Power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And then we give ourselves for the purposes and mission of God in the world. That's the next 12 weeks. No. So there is a logic between now and December, and that may sound like, oh, that's good, fancy, dancy, but it dropped like lead in my spirit. Like, here's what you're supposed to do for 15 weeks. Give your church, give your people a beautiful framework that I believe you and I, we could live within that framework for the rest of our life. The kingdom story, apprenticeship and following Jesus as king with others, community, in the power of the Holy Spirit that forms the very likeness and image of Jesus in us and empowers the ministry of Jesus through us in the context of the world and the mission of God. You see that? So that's what we're doing. So this week is week number one on phase two or pillar number two, which is discipleship. And that's the long introduction, so now I ate up all my time. So Matthew 23, Matthew 23 is where we're gonna be Um, But there's this idea, so there's a longing in my heart um, that what I say I believe actually affects how I live. That where I say what I believe actually influences, informs, and transforms the way I live. And I use my hands on purpose because for many of us, that gap is very wide. Can I get an amen if we're honest? I say he's Lord, but I live like, I say he is Savior and my righteousness, but then I try to earn, come on somebody, help me out this morning. I say I'm more than a conqueror, but at the sign of the first opposition, I, I, I lose sight of God, and then I create a picture of the future that he's not even in the equation, and I tank in anxiety and fear. Amen. Do you care to know what the journey of what we say we believe and how we actually function and live, you care to know the bridge across those two, what that's called? Discipleship. Come on. It's where our confession, like you enter the kingdom through repentance, so you dethrone yourself. You acknowledge that he alone is king, that he alone is worthy, right? You change your thinking that the world doesn't orient around you, it orients and revolves around him. 
Repentance. But how many know repentance is just the entrance to experiencing the abundant life in Jesus? Come on, Samuel. Repentance is the entrance. So I believe enough of what I need to know about Jesus, I get into the party. I can't believe he's got a place at his table with my name on it. But, but the king starts tweaking with me. I realized how much that lie that the world revolved around me, that I was the big star of the show that had me in the credits and me in the lights, that the king, he, he's got his work cut out for him, that what I say I believe in him and how I live and function and what I actually love and do, he's like, okay, let's have a talk. So there's great hope for every person in this room. Not that a bunch of you can just, oh, well, I'm a hypocrite and that's all I'll ever be, so I don't need to try and whatever, Jesus is Lord. And Baloney, praise God for the journey of discipleship where you and I can live an integrated life under the lordship of Jesus that is infused and empowered with his Holy Spirit, rooted in his word and given over for his purposes. You and I are not just, well, I guess I'll always just have to live with this massive gap. Beloved, That is not gospel truth. That is not what Jesus died and rose, and then he and the Father poured out the Spirit upon his people. That is not your inheritance to live perpetually with this massive gap. Jesus is able, as king of this epic kingdom story, and listen, as you follow him, you are transformed by him through his word and spirit. So discipleship is learning this whole long journey to integrate the reality, the sufficiency, supremacy, the power, the purpose of Jesus. It's learning to let the Holy Spirit integrate and weave the dynamics of his love, of his, the fruit of his life and his wisdom and character and conduct and all of that where it begins to integrate so that you and I, when, they, when, when, when our family looks at us and when the person in our pew looks at us, that more and more they're looking at the same picture. Come on, somebody, it has killed us in the church to claim one thing and live another, and all of us have done it. It's not any condemnation, no shame, break that thing off. But that is not our inheritance or our lot. There is hope, and it's called saying yes to King Jesus and then learning to walk and live in light of him on the journey of discipleship. And, and in some traditions or spiritual formation, just to be clear, because I, 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 I have both, I love all of that language, formation or discipleship, this, where the gap closes. Yes. Yes. Everyone say that. Discipleship is where the gap closes. Yes, right. It's where the gap closes, where the king that I confess is Lord at the entrance of life in the kingdom, new life in Christ, where the king begins to infuse and inform my life so that more and more I resemble him. That's our inheritance. Oh, it's 10.52. So, this quote just sobers me. It's from Brennan Manning. Uh, Maybe some of you have heard of him. He says this, the single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, 
and deny him by their lifestyle. That is when an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. What a great author. What an unbelieving world finds unbelievable. The journey of discipleship is that as we submit to the lordship of Jesus, as we submit ourselves to his word, his yoke, his way of life, his teaching, that more and more what we say with our lips and then what we actually love and what materializes itself through the fruitfulness of our lives become one and the same. Amen. Which, which, which obviously, if you just do a quick New Testament perusal, you'll see that over and over and over again, especially throughout the book of Acts, you'll see a phrase like this. They're claiming that there's another king on the loose named Jesus. That then they were backing up by a lifestyle oriented around that claim. And what happened, if you read in chapter 2 and then chapter 4, chapter, okay, throughout the whole book of Acts, is that the more the lifestyle, discipleship, began to infect and inform the community of God's people, the more poignant their witness in the world. So friends, who wants to go on that journey? Who wants to be a poignant people that just reek of the goodness and kindness and love and glory of King Jesus? Who, you know, who, who wants to go, to go on that journey? Well, I, I definitely do. Who's coming with me? Amen. All right. Amen. Okay. I have no clue. This week, I have an unbelievable honor. I'm going back um, to Kansas City. I graduated from Mid-America Nazarene University, and um, one of my great friends is Dr. Brady Bratz, the chaplain there, and they're, they're having me come and be their spiritual deepening week speaker. So I'm flying out at 4.45 today from San Luis Obispo to go speak at my alma mater. So I really appreciate your prayers that the, that the glory and goodness of Jesus would just be released over these young people in this phase of journey. Um, just a real high honor. Um, I, I love it. I, I'm really, really excited about this coming week. But the reason I bring that up is because they gave me 25 minutes to preach. <laughs> For those who are like, the game starts in an hour, my intros are 25 minutes, so pray for me. Pray for me. <laughs> it's not that there's like an increased anointing the longer your sermons, because some of you are already falling asleep. I'm very, I'm very aware. I'm just, listen, I'm like fine wine, so I hear. It just takes time. The longer it goes, the sweeter. Or maybe like tea seeping in a hot bowl. Okay, uh, you take your metaphor of slow and then get there. But I'm gonna have to like change a gear or find a miracle somewhere. So if you think of 25 minutes, think of me. And the. <laughs> so I was gonna try to preach this in 25 minutes to just see what it felt like, but that's gone. So. 
I am going to make quick work through this beautiful passage that, that really is just a, it's just a beautiful passage to jump off for these next three weeks. That, that if the discipleship journey is closing the gap of what I say I believe and what is already true of me in Jesus and how I live and what I love and my cravings and desires and how I organize and orient my life, if that gap can be closed, I want to know how it can be. And the answer to that is submission and ongoing abiding in the, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. There is hope, friends. You and I do not have to just be branded hypocrites. We don't have to just, oh, it's unbelievable. You and I can become the people that the blood of Jesus has purchased. You and I can actually live out of our identity in Jesus. It doesn't just have to be confessional. It can actually be operational. Oh, I'm true. No, it can become true as lived experience. So Matthew 23, hurry up. I'll just read the whole thing and we're just gonna make some comments and then we'll come to the table together. There really is just one very, very in your face theme, you'll get it. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, do you know there's a difference between the crowds and disciples? Say amen. amen. Throughout the Matthew's gospel, he has used this phrase many times. How many know the good news is for the world and for the crowds? Amen. amen. But how many know when Jesus calls you into himself, he has terms and conditions? So his generosity, kindness, compassion, it's so big and expansive, it touches the world. But when you and I respond to that unbelievable, compassionate, merciful, incredible invitation, he acts, when he calls us to himself, and then we actually have the resources to be formed as his disciples. How many know it is a futile invitation to tell people to change morally or with their compass, their, how, what they love and who they're about and what they crave without actually experiencing the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit first. So do expect crowds to live as disciples without King Jesus' life being on the inside of them is an impossibility. That has to be clear. So the good news is for the world, it's for crowds, but Jesus is always wanting to bring the crowds through the journey of discipleship where it's not just, hey, what's in it for me, Jesus? It's Jesus, here I am to serve you. Okay, that's verse one. Hurry up. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. Oh, that's all. I mean, I, we could. Do we see the situation here? We have crowds and disciples, and then you have the religious elite. The ones who know all the content, friends, having their whole Hebrew scriptures memorized, who their whole life, it's been about what they do not do for the sake of trying to usher in through their own fidelity to the covenant of, of God, they're trying to usher in this reign of God's kingdom. So their whole life, they've tried so hard to, 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 to live a morally perfect and pure life according to the law of Moses but the bummer is, none of us are good enough to save ourselves. Yeah. 
And so here they are, they're teaching truth, they're teaching God's word. How many, how many can think of someone in their mind, man, they have good orthodoxy, they know the ABCs of the gospel, but their life does not look like what they proclaim and teach or preach. Listen, verse three is true, can be true of all of us without the grace of discipleship. Listen to what they say do what they say, but do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. So, the point of today's talk is King Jesus wants you and I to experience by his grace, soaked and saturated through his word, breathed upon and empowered by his Holy Spirit in the context of community going after the same thing, you and I can be those that verse three is not true of, which is a weird way to say it. Discipleship is the remedy to verse three. Did you know that my kids, your kids, your grandkids, your friends, your colleagues and coworkers are craving to see the opposite reality of verse three? Mia's helping me. She's shaking her head. Come on. She's helping me right now. A group of people who don't just know the right things to say, but are trained by the spirit and word in the context of loving community where we're all a work in progress, amen? Where you and I, by the grace of Jesus, where what we say and how we live are hand in glove. This is the journey. And this, by the way, is the biblical precedent that every single one of Jesus's blood-bought, spirit-adopted and filled sons and daughters can experience. You and I can experience a life of integration. You and I are not just, oh, I sure hope. No, you and I, our inheritance is to live a life where confession and operation, where what we say we believe and how we live are infused, they, they inform each other within the context of loving community where you and I, one day when Christ returns, when we see him, we shall be like him because we'll see him as he is. I love this, man. Uh, Scott McKnight, uh, one of the best American scholars, just phenomenal scholar, he, he says this in his book, Pastor Paul. Let's see if I can find it. You, you got it. This clicker's not working, Justin. Thank you. Imitation, in fact, is the first principle of all forms of education. Children imitate parents. And students imitate that parental relationship with their teachers. People need an embodied example to follow. And they will follow the embodied example, whether good or bad. Listen, we just launched all of our classes and groups, and I'm so stoked. We've got people who are plugging in, who are learning, who are growing in their, their, their knowledge and content and discipleship. 
But you know, my, my deepest prayer, and we're getting ready to launch another one in the first week of October, my deepest prayer is that as a result of these, we don't just leave with bigger hearts. We leave with more embodied examples that we can turn around to each other and say, I don't have it all figured out, but I'm on the path. Follow me as I follow him. Because the desperate need for a generation that is skeptical of institutions, is skeptical of truth claims, that is skeptical of, of anyone other than themselves, what, they, what the desperate need is for God through his spirit to raise up a church of embodied examples who what they say they believe and how they live become more and more one and the same. Why? Because the first principle of formation and transformation is that of imitation. And did you know that the Bible actually says in Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. In the Greek, it's this idea of mimicking. We can mimic our Father in love. We can imitate. And this journey of discipleship, trust me, I'm a content junkie, but I'm very aware because Benji wakes up at 6 a.m. and I'm trying to have devotions, people. But I'm very aware, even though I'm in the throes of gospel, I'm reading and journaling, I'm drinking my coffee, I'm very aware that how I live and welcome his presence, rudely interrupting my de devotions... My embodied example will speak way louder than a one-liner or a nugget of truth that I got in the scriptures that morning. <clears throat> because imitation, practicing what we preach, has more poignant capacity to form a people in whatever image that person is living out of. How many need grace today? Am I the only one? I need grace. Imitation. I love it. Alan Hirsch, the great missiologist, read any and everything he writes. He says this. It's the quote right before, Justin. My clicker's broken. I have it here. The true, the true disciple represents a distinctly theological way of knowing truth through the living of it. It's distinct. We're not a country club that you have to know the sign and the code and the one-liners and the values. We're not, right? We're not. There is a way of knowing the truth that only through the Holy Spirit and empowered and built upon the word, you and I can actually live that truth by his grace. Practice and preach. They know by following the one who is the way, the truth, and the life, and becoming like him. Yeah. I love it, and I'll, I'm just going to close uh, with this, because I'm working on it. <laughs> and you all know when I say that, it usually means a solid 10, 15 more minutes, so it doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> I'm going to close. It's like every person's like, sweet. I'm kidding. Can we have fun in church? It's okay to have fun in church. Get over yourself. 
Oh, now I lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh, hold on. <laughs> Jesus, help me, because I did. Oh, okay. There we go. <laughs> practicing, and practicing what we preach. That's, the, that's, that's discipleship. It's, it's, God, we gotta, we're becoming. Someone say, I'm becoming. I, I, I love the, the, the three tenses in Scripture. How many know when you put your faith in Jesus, you were saved? Uh, how many know as you continue to put your faith in Jesus, my spiritual father, Hal Perkins, you are being saved as you look to the Savior ongoing? Come on, how many have ever been saved from a knucklehead choice because you thought to check in to Jesus and what he thought? So I just, no, I wasn't just saved, past tense. I am being saved right now as I submit to the Lordship of Jesus. And really, the quicker you and I learn to look to him, that's when discipleship's working. My grandpa, I just lost my grandma Owens uh, just, just a couple days ago. She went to be with Jesus, 89, amazing life, missionaries, started universities and m- seminaries in Philippines, Korea, just... I honor my grandpa and grandma, Dr. and Adeline Owens. Um, I remember I had to interview my grandpa for uh, a, a research project in my undergrad. And, you know, he, he kept having to interrupt me because the point was to, like, interview a spiritual hero. And through tears, I got to find that recording he would regularly interject when I'm trying to make him look like a hero. I'm the grandson who's writing a paper about him. Oh, but chatty, but for the Lord's grace. He just kept interrupting. I'm like, Grandpa, I got that part. I just, he's Dr. Donovan's, just brilliant, done everything, the hero. But he just was humble. Anyway, here's what he told me. I love this because I, an unfortunate con- consequence of our holiness tradition is that sometimes it makes us afraid that if there's sin or brokenness in our life, we have to name it something else other than sin in the name of theological purity. I remember asking my grandpa, grandpa, like, I love holiness and I, oh my goodness, the Lord makes us holy. Hallelujah. By his blood and spirit and truth. Woo. Oh, amen. I believed it since I was 16. Trust me. But I'm like, Grandpa, but what do you do with the Lord's Prayer when Jesus said, ask us to forgive us our trespasses? Like, it, he said, the more like Jesus you are striving to become like, the quicker your repentance time. I just like, mic drop. Before that was even a thing, 15 years ago, in my grandpa's living room, kitchen table, he said, you want to know evidence that discipleship is working, that holiness is actually forming and filling your life? When something in your life presents itself that doesn't look like him, you don't bury it, hide it, negotiate it away. You get it under his lordship and blood and say, Jesus, forgive me. I want to live out of what is true of me and you. And I'll never forget, Dr. Grandpa Owens said, that's how you know you're making progress is that that time gets shorter. Come on, how many know you and I can try to justify ourselves until we're blue in the face, but we never will be sufficient. And so I never get out just remembering that as I'm honoring their legacy and about to go home and see them today, tonight, in Kansas City. 
But how many know I want that? I want the time to get shorter and I want the gap to close. That's discipleship. That's the, that's the what is true of me already. I am saved. I'm being saved. And how many know one day he's going to finish what he started? I will be saved. I will. I will see him and I'll be like him in every way. But how many know we can anticipate that day now by being formed increasingly in his likeness. I'm, come on, I'm just going back to discipleship. I can anticipate by submitting to his grace, abiding and hiding and obeying his word together. How many want to anticipate it? I want to anticipate what is going to be true. I want it to infuse and infect my life now by his grace. Jesus ends the greatest sermon ever preached with these words. I won't belabor them. It's very simple. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and can articulate them better than anyone else in the room (laughs) can graduate theological class 101, has a big laundry list of why they're better or superior to their neighbor. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, that's discipleship. What if in our small groups, what if in our classes, whatever the content, because all of it's good, I love content. Oh, did I say that? Because I love it. I love theology. I love books. I love the Bible. I quote it every day. I run. I think about them all the time. But I'm just so aware my kids are not ultimately going to imitate what they think daddy knows. They're going to imitate what they see in dad. <laughs> Which, I'm not crying because I'm sad. I, I, I do repent a lot as a dad, but trust me, like God. Ah, let's do it again. Okay, quick story, and I'll get back to Matthew 7 because we are closing. I promise. <laughs> I promise we are. We're done. <laughs> Earlier this week, for some reason, I blew up at my wife. I don't know why I would. She's perfect. Never makes a mistake or sins. Has never has a bad day. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> love you, honey, wherever you are in the cry room, probably. Nurturing one of our four kids. But um, I, mean, I just blew up. What a turkey. I was just terrible. I was terrible. I mean, and anyway... I thought about apologizing for like an hour. <laughs> Went on a prayer walk. The Lord didn't hear my prayer, okay? <laughs> the Bible says, listen, I quote First Peter all the time. The Bible says very clearly in chapter three that if you do not treat your wife with gentleness and respect, the Lord doesn't hear your prayer. It's right there. Just read it. Some of you dudes need to hear that. How you treat her is ultimately how you're saying he treats his church, so act like it. That's just a slight challenge to husbands. Anyway, or aspiring. So I'm on a prayer walk, and the Lord's not hearing my prayer, so it's going real well. The heavens are shut over me. (laughs) Whatever. We can talk after service, but I actually, it's true. Okay. So then I go apologize, and um, sort of apologize. You know what a sort of apology is? (laughs) 
You know when you make the other person guilty for what you perceive them to do first on your way to apologizing? Come on, am I talking to anyone anywhere in the room? You're like, you're all, I think that was an apology. Actually made me feel like crud all along the way to your journey of your repentance. You've raked me through the guilt and shame of your actions that you say I evoked. But come on, am I talking truth? Help me out, people. <laughs> so after I stumbled through what would be perceived as an apology, I finally owned it. That it, 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 it wouldn't have mattered what she did. I had no right to respond the way I did. Zero. So after I finally said sorry, that was like four hours. I'm just trying to be honest. Hey, there's a gap in my life, but God's grace is helping me close it, okay? So I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm a lifelong learner and student who's trying to practice what I preach, okay? Thank you. Um, and I made sure, because my mom was there. Uh, <laughs> as you know, you know. That's like a double whammy. So my mom was in bed in the guest bedroom. I'm like, Mom, hey, I was a total jerk to my wife, and I just wanted to apologize to you, too, because that is unacceptable. You don't, I don't talk to my wife that way. She's amazing. So my mom was proud of me as a son. Now all of you are hopefully becoming more proud of me as your pastor. <laughs> you know, and then... I kept apologizing until I finally got the apology right that night. Come on, someone in this room knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> but here's what's awesome. So I blew it on Tuesday, or whatever it was. You care to know what I was present to Wednesday onward. I, sw- I was present to it. Listen, you and I don't have to keep repeating mistakes. We can be present to the grace of Christ that meets us the moment we wake up, and he's there all along the day if we'll look to him. It helped that I was reading Galatians about walking in the spirit, not in the flesh. I read it like four times this week. Come on, how else are we formed? You got to put in what you want to come out. Oh, I'm not making progress in my journey. Well, what are you putting into your life case? That's tomorrow. That's next week's input, output. But I promise you can ask my wife if she was here. Honey, no. Okay, you take my word for it. Ask her later. On purpose, I was making, when I'd wake up, and then throughout the day, Lord, I'm walking in the Spirit, and the first fruit, and that all of the other fruits take their cues from their fruitiness is the fruit of love. And at the heart of gospel kingdom love is this other's orientation, that it's not about me, it's about her, it's about them, it's about you. I'm not saying my record was perfect from Wednesday on, furthest thing from, but I made progress by the grace of Jesus. So if I'm going to boast in my weakness, my weakness was not the end. My weakness is the doorway to welcoming the strength and power of God's spirit. Many of us are, I'm a worm, I'm a terrible sinner. That does nothing. We all know that's true. Apart from him, there's nothing good in me. What the world needs and what the church needs is a people where the gap is closing. And it's not falsely humble to say you're making progress. If you're not making progress, how can I follow anyone with skin on that's supposed to look more and more like Jesus? False humility is killing the church. The Apostle Paul on three occasions, 1 Corinthians 4, 15 through 16, 11, verse 1, and then in Philippians 4, 9, says, imitate me as I imitate him. 
Now, if you're like, what an arrogant guy, bull, what tethered all of it was, I don't have a righteousness of my own. It's his, Philippians 3.10. And what really tethered it all is not that I've already arrived, Philippians 3.12, through the rest, but I'm pressing on to take hold of the one who took hold of me. So as long as you and I have that posture of I haven't arrived, but I'm going after him the way he went after me, I'm going after him that that righteousness that's already true is becoming true as I become the righteousness of God in Christ. As long as that's tethered to it, friends, all of us need an example of those that the gap is closing in. All of us. The false humble, I'm just a miserable, that doesn't help anybody. We need embodied examples, those other two quotes. We need people that disciple the Spirit is working. That doesn't mean you and I ever arrive, but we can get closer to the shore. Therefore, done. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. They're like a person that builds their house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, it's like a foolish person. The rain came, same things happen to disciples and non-disciples. It's just, can you stand it and make it through? The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. What is the difference between the two? Practice. I haven't arrived, Jesus, but I'm gonna submit to the grace of the Spirit. I'm a disciple. I've moved beyond the crowds. It's not just about what you can do for me, although you always are the cheerful giver and you do more than I could ask or imagine. I got all those Bible verses. He's a, oh, he does give and then give, give, give. Grace, help, mercy, hope, grace, forgiveness. Come on, compassion. He's so good. He never stops. He never stops. But he brings us through the journey of, it's not just what you can do for me, it's God, I wanna give my life as an offering. I wanna serve you. I wanna be a disciple. Amen? Amen. Stand, stand on your feet with me. How many want, by the Spirit, to see Christ help us close the gap today? Between what, this week. Amen. And so, so just receive this blessing, just hands out like a, you're receiving a gift because it's all the gift. Who agrees all of life is a gift? Is it, it's just all gift. It's all grace. Amen. How many want to stay like a child where you just wake up and realize, oh my goodness, my father, he just never stops with his goodness. Friends, let that spirit mark us this week. Revelation that we're God's kiddos, Right? That when he gave us Christ, he withheld nothing. And so, Father, as you send us from this place, as a, a crowd that's learning to say yes to become your disciples, to be formed in your likeness and image, and to, to be those who integrate the truth of your kingdom and your word into all of our life as we partner with you and your spirit together as a community, would you send us now with great hope and expectation that the gap is going to get close. It's going to be closer as we participate and practice your ways this week. And so, Lord, we receive every spiritual blessing in Christ. We receive your abundant, 
provision of grace that teaches and trains us to walk and live as Christ. And may he go before you and level mountains, and may you experience the abundant life of Jesus this week. Amen? Amen.